Welcome, I'm Mark Beal, a past life regression therapist and trainer. If you're interested in having sessions or certification training, go to pastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Welcome to the podcast, Mary Beth. Thank you, Mark. It's good to be here. So this is Mary Beth Savatek. She's a board certified clinical hypnotherapist and life coach in Alabama. She has an MA in psychology. She's worked extensively as a therapist and counselor and in training and coaching. She's doing yes. doctoral studies on holistic health. And as a teacher, her school is the Psychoenergetic Institute of Hypnotherapy and Life Coaching. She's also the developer of the Energy Model of Therapeutic Change. So you can find her website at energymodelofchange.com. There you can find out about her extensive coaching programs and the hypnotherapy sessions she offers, where she works with the usual hypnosis issues that we all do. And she includes regression, past life regression, and soul purpose. Her yeah. YouTube is Your Amazing Soul and, you can, and Mary Beth Savatek are both on YouTube. And for the rest of your socials, they're in the description. So a lot to talk about there, Mary. Beth. Yes, thank you. Right. And so I thought we could start by going through, uh, you've had sort of four phases or parts of work. You, you have mm -hmm. uh, a lot of clinical uh, psychology. And then you've yes. pivoted into hypnotherapy and coaching and you do get into past lives and even spirit releasement therapy have come up in yeah. recent years. So I wonder if you could start by telling us about that basis that you had, because you had a lot of rigorous conventional mental health and psychology work as you started out. So how did you, how did you start out? Well, I started as a counselor when I was, gosh, in, in the 1987 working at the biggest rescue mission in the United States. We had like 350 employees, if that gives you an idea, working with homeless and mentally ill addictions and things like that. So during that, that 14 years I was there, I was a case manager, a counselor, a crisis counselor, mobile, um, well, mobile case manager and mental health counselor. And uh, so I really got a uh, hands on. We had a lot of training from the, the uh, a major psychiatric center. We worked with the psychiatrist there that it would come in and give us trainings to deal with some of the issues that we were dealing with. Um, I was also an emergency room social worker per diem for about a year of that period as well. So I saw a lot of it from from that side too. But one of the things I really got disillusioned about was how quick we were to give these terrible life-altering, lifetime diagnoses to clients and putting them on medications. They, they would come in, maybe they had some type of psychotic episode. And of course, that would scare any parent if their kid came and told them there's a dragon in the backyard or something. And we were so quick to diagnose them without asking, like, could you have been drugged? Did, did you, you know, what to get a lot of the background assessment or to do any type of, and they don't really do this very much in the medical field to find out, like, is there something you're allergic to? Because I could be allergic to some type of food and get hives and someone else that could actually cause psychotic uh, episodes. So it's, it's, it's how our bodies respond, which the symptoms are our friend to give us a message. But what I was seeing is we were looking at the symptoms as, well, we got to subdue them and we're going to give you this medicine 
but the medicine would bring about a whole new set of symptoms and some of them mental health symptoms, depression, anxiety, the swollen tongues, the foaming at the mouth and things like that. And so I was watching people get worse and I kind of had my own little medical crisis where I was diagnosed with lupus and long story short, I had the, uh, teacher that just appeared at that time, who was my um, grandmother-in-law and started telling me about holistic stuff. And when I was supposed to go and get oriented to what life with lupus was about, they told me I would probably be in a wheelchair by my mid thirties and my lifespan would be in my fifties. Then I had had enough from her from spending two weeks with her that I was on my way to the hospital to get oriented and start the medication and something said turn this car around you're not doing lupus and I thought I was crazy because I'd suffered for six months really bad with all kinds of symptoms and I you know turned around and went home and long story short I within two months everything went away and it never came back so I really believe that I would have followed that path of illness and probably early death had I gone that route because there is a mind body connection. So I, I, after being in that field for 14 years in that capacity, I, I felt like I needed to go back and get trained in holistic. Like there's gotta be something more we can do for these people because they're not getting better. They're getting sicker. You know, in a clinical psychology area where you're making diagnostic uh, determinations of what people have, which which is necessary, and yet there is also uh, a part where, as hypnotherapists, we understand there's the role of suggestion. And, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and see, I was never like I wasn't in a capacity to diagnose, but we had an idea, so we would send them to the psych psychiatrist to do the official. But we, at that point, the way that we were trained. And you're right. You're so right. So much of it is the power of suggestion. If people don't have the ones who recovered were the ones that said, no, I'm going to take a different route. And some of them ended up um, going back to school and becoming colleagues. Okay. Well, it's also interesting. You've got the role of suggestion and, and even so it's not necessarily that diagnoses are wrong, although they're not always right. And so that part right. where you can give yourself a counter suggestion, but one difficult thing is that the diagnosis may be right in that moment, but the difficulty is people can take that as an identity statement that is true yes. going forward. Whereas it may yes. have been true in that moment, but it can be outdated. And so then people, uh, you, as yes. you say on your website, people can get anchored to that and get stuck in a dysfunctional past. Yes. And, and I think too, one of the things I learned as I went through school, and I actually learned this in my, my regular um, psychology college, but then when I went into holistic, it was, it, I got a better understanding of it, but like terms like schizophrenia are an umbrella term for a set of symptoms. And if you have those symptoms that match that term, you get that diagnosis. And at that time, there's like five or six medications and they would try one and adjust it and do stuff. And you, you know, to try to get it right and add the, eventually you're going to have to have medication for the side effects. And if that wasn't right, they try another one. But, uh, but really all mental illness is physically based. And unfortunately, 
in the medical mental health system, they don't go for deeper in to, they say, oh, you're sick in the head. They don't go deeper in to see all they are is symptoms. So there's something that's not right. Too much copper can cause hallucinations. Um, too little zinc can cause anxiety. So we don't, they don't really go that route. So um, so people are left thinking it's just them and it's a ment it's a it's a mental thing when really there's it's very likely a physical cause. So did you then end up effectively leaving that profession and transitioning into a more holistic one, which was became hypnotherapy and coaching? Yes, I left that profession. Uh, I, and let me tell you, that really was the as far as working in a job, that was the most exciting time in my life. A lot of personal growth. We were like a big 350 person dysfunctional loving family there. Okay. And um, so it was really hard to leave that because there was that, is there life outside of this, the rescue mission? Cause you know, but I felt like I, I wanted to do more and, and I had to expand my belief system a little more because coming from a Christian background, then a lot of things that are very natural are demonized and people think they're supernatural when really it's of the earth. It's, it's holistic. It's how our bodies are designed to perform. And so th that was kind of a transition for me to, to just say, wait a minute, this isn't anything bad. This is how we're designed. And so I had to make that transition. I went through uh, just a lot of personal growth during, there was like a six year transition as I was retooling that I felt, I feel like maybe I, I was, um, I, I, what I would call now is coming out of the matrix okay. and understanding that for what it really is and, and expanding between beyond that. So that well, was, well, what, how do you see that looking back? Cause you're deep in it, as you say, mm -hmm. it was part of a family. It's what you knew. And then mm -hmm. you can have an, uh, an awakening experience or a, an experience where you look at it differently uh, and yes. maybe they would say there were certain, you know, holistic things or spiritual things that they would look down on, but then people from the other side can then look down on, you know, the medical establishment. And so you've it, had your yes. foot on. So how do you even uh, like come to peace with that? Do you then think, oh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I see a better way, or do you think they're doing what they need to do the best they can? We're doing it our way. There isn't a conflict or how do, how do you look back on that, that it's, industry? It's hard because the, the big battle back then is I was fighting the battle for nutrition and our the diets of our clients back then. And they everyone thought I was like overboard and a wacko, but I could see that connection because thank God for my, my grandmother-in-law, you know, that because the lupus thing happened before I went there. So I was already kind of seeing the mind-body connection, but just didn't have enough tools. But looking back, what I feel like is these people who work in the industry are in a sense, they're living in a matrix. Because when I look back, I realized like all of our training, except for what we got from this Dr. Spangler, his name was, it worked with us from the psychiatric center. Then, then it was provided by the pharmaceutical industry. And I remember getting training on borderline personality disorder. And we were told AIDS was a disease of the eighties. And this is a disease of the nineties. And you're the first in the know. And 
it's predominantly women. And I happen to be a group, a co-therapist in a group of men with person borderline personality disorder. But what they were basically telling us is you're our front lines. You have to go out and and when you see these people, get them to the right doctor so they can get help and get on medication. And I started that that I started looking at this and saying, gosh, I have some of this. Oh, my boss has some of this. Oh, my coworkers, my and I started realizing that the th- uh, things we were calling borderline personality were natural things. PMS, you know, the moods, the fluctuations. Um, just our seasons of life and all this. And so we went out there with our marching orders. And to be honest, you know, we were proud. We were the first in the know. And so a lot of those people out there, they don't know that they're in a matrix, the workers. And so they're doing what they're trained. And I think there there is help when you're in a crisis and you can go there. But the problem is, is, is they're treating symptoms and then they're medic they're treating side effects they're medicating everything is medicine on medicine so they get sicker and sicker what they should be doing is going for the root causes and getting the people off the medicine but of course that won't um that won't keep the money flowing and so and i don't think that that's a deliberate thing from the frontline people that's way up here so this training comes down and they're training what they know and so that's when i look back it, it breaks my heart because i i feel like we were just working so hard and we went to the ends of the earth for these clients and yet the system that we were in was just perpetuating their sickness. So they, looking back, they just weren't going to get better, most of them. Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing about hypnosis and hypnotherapy for me, which is, as I got into it, I started to realize it's really about dehypnotizing you from all of the suggestions you've been given up throughout yes. your whole life. It's funny that you say that because I have people, especially Christians, say, well, how do you justify being a hypnotherapist as a Christian? And I say, well, I I look at the first thing, and people will ask too, um, you know, I don't want to be programmed into something. And I, I tell them what what I do as a hypnotherapist is deprogram people from their own matrices. We subject ourselves to our own matrices and no one ever talks about that, but that's my big thing. Yeah. And, and also there are world matrices. And, and so almost everything we get into, when we walk into a job, it's a matrix. And so we, I tell people I'm deprogramming people because most of them are already hypnotized via the media and everything they've been taught, but they're not taught to take on their, their own divine God-given power. So I, I yeah. deprogram them so they can really see who they are. That is the problem. And when any institution attempts to play God. Yes. And there can be a bit of a God complex on some of the medical, you know, not everyone, but it happens. And, and yes. it's absolutely to be aware of that. And, you know, I don't want to be programmed. You already have been. <laughs> You just Yes. And there's, you know, there is a lot of ego involved and there's a lot of, you know, I, I suffered a lot of anxiety when I was younger. And even during those years, I, I remember being a, 
an emergency room social worker, the person that they go to when they're, they're having some type of anxiety episode. And yeah, I had to like do deep breathing and things to keep myself calm. But I will tell you, but there's, there's a part that says, I'm glad I'm on this side and not on that side. I'm, I might be feeling anxious too, but I'm the one in power. And, you know, you might not think it consciously, but there is a little bit of that power. Like I'd rather be on this side than that side. But why do we have to be on either side? Why can't we kind of step out of that and do it differently? Yes. And that's why and it's your experience. You've been at it. You've lived in both worlds. And I think a lot of people are either yes. in one world or the other. And then they can yes. get very confrontational and fighting about where right, they're wrong, which I think is really unhelpful. Yes. Even and I, I'm, I, sorry, yeah, I'm very much on one side. I don't have that clinical background, but I still think don't encourage people criticizing the conventional medical uh, right. field. Like they have their role and that's all perfectly fine. Right. You know? But right. Like it, but an ego exists on both sides as well. You know? It does. The, the, yes. the spiritual world has got a plenty of ego, but it's disguised. Yes. And let me, let me speak to that for a second because part of the matrix is a three-dimensional reality and that's de deceive uh dis divide and destroy and so when you see that that's how i look especially in the holistic world i because we know that the uh allopathic has kind of been infiltrated the churches have been infiltrated and so now i'm like oh no i thought when i jumped into the holistic world everybody was going to be like no egos and all this. And so what I, what I'm finding is my, my determination, and this is what I tell everyone. And even in the political climate, if it's, if it's 3d, it's d divide, deceive, destroy. So if you have to look at us against them or we're better than them, because there are a lot of benefits to the medical, you know, I see friends who get new knees and they're doing well. My husband had gotten joint hip replacements when he was 49 and then loved it, loved the experience so much of what he saw in the hospital. He went back to school and became an RN and, um, and when he was 54. So, uh, he, and so that's a story in itself. And, but, um, so there's a lot of wonderful medical things out there, but you have to, the whole thing is, is looking out for the 3d. That's how, you know, what you're dealing with. And I suggest if you're, if you're going to any practitioner that's in 3d, then you might want to consider yeah. who you're seeing. Yeah. So at the end of the day, everyone has their own life purpose to live Yes. and, and being judging Calling people yes. right or wrong and really buying into your own position is uh, something to watch in yourself. Yeah. So a lot of people exactly. can judge. Yes. So, it, so then you did the six year pivot uh, yes. and, and retrainings. Then you landed on hypnotherapy mm -hmm. and coaching. So what was it about hypnotherapy? And you could have gone into this, let's say health. How come hypnotherapy stood out and what drew you to that? Well, I did two things I, um, during that six years is I, I had started a model of therapy during uh, when I was working and finishing my master's degree that I never really completed. And it was called total life management because it, when I look back, it was kind of my mind, body and spirit. But during that six years, I developed that further. And now it's called the energy model of therapeutic change. And it's looking at the energy flow in and out of nine key areas of life. But I realized that the hypnotherapy 
uh, I that I could do things on a deeper level because what was happening is is I was having more success with clients who went through that program, but it was they would start feeling the changes, and and it was unfamiliar to them, and they'd get scared and they they'd retreat back to what they knew, like somebody who was in a series of toxic relationships their whole life would finally get in a healthy relationship and then boom, they, they would get scared and jump out of it. And the reason was, is because it was unfamiliar territory, but through hypnotherapy, we can bring them into that territory and let them feel that and experience it and get comfortable in there. Just almost like rehearsing for a play, you know, these people, they, who are putting on a play, they rehearse and rehearse and if you, if you went, when they first were learning their lines, they couldn't do it. But it, when you go and you see the play and it's put together and beautiful, that's what hypnotherapy is. We, we, they can, it's as powerful to go through the experience in a relaxed state as it is to be there. So that's what we're able to do with hypnotherapy, put people in the position of experiencing the success that they desire so that when they get there, it's no longer unfamiliar and they can just keep moving along. Yeah. I think that's a really useful approach and interesting. You say that to begin with, because we often think of hypnotherapy as a way to regress to causes in the past, but you're talking about progressing to the future. And so people can remember their future. And that's so useful because this whole idea that, you know, people retreat back to the past they're familiar with. Uh, and that becomes an identity, but it's out of date. Yes. And so that's one of the real sticking points, letting people drop out of date things, but then pick yes. new things that are the, the new reality. And, and, and that's one of the great things about the subconscious is that it can experience that in the imagination. And that really draws yes. it forward in reality. That's- and, and I have to say too, that, you know, you mentioned the identity thing, And that was when I first started my, before it was called total life management, it was going to be called beyond victimhood. And it was because I saw in our trainings and now it's really rampant, but people are saying, own your pain. Oh, this is, this is own your story. This is your story. Don't let anyone take your story. Well, really our story is our perceptions and our opinions and when we sit there and say, well, I'm owning my story. This is my truth, which is an illusion. This is my truth. Then sometimes we're just holding on to our own BS. So when, so I always say, I, I've, you might've seen that I have a video, the truth about your truth, but um, when we hold on to that place of pain, we can't expand and so what in the only way that we can expand beyond that place is to release it. And when we say, I'm going to hold my truth, then that says, you know, I'm going to hold this and this pain and what happened in the way I believe it happened. And nobody's going to tell me otherwise. And so we hold that, but it's, it's almost like trying to swim when you're holding a load of bricks, you can't do it. You're going to keep if you don't sink, it's going to be awful hard to do to swim and even stay afloat. So that that's the other thing. With, like it's about progression. It's moving ahead. Not that we can't go back, but yeah, there are a lot of issues with that, isn't it? It's yes. really it is. Uh, it's not letting go. It's a limiting belief. It's, yes, it's defying the law of impermanence. Everything yes. is impermanent, and uh, and it, yes. it, yeah, it's also implicitly I'm a victim 
and somebody that I'm good and innocent and somebody else was bad and a perpetrator. So yes. by making yourself a victim, you're making other people perpetrators and you've got someone to blame and then it's not your yes. fault. Exactly. Then, yes. Which is, you know, then, yes. then you're, then you're really, you are just condemning There's no yourself. Ownership. Yeah. Yes. There's no ownership to take responsibility for your own healing. And then you've hypnotized yourself to be in a prison of your own making. Yes. And you're proud exactly. of it. Exactly. Yes, because we hypnotize ourselves all the time and we are hypnotized by music, by words, by, uh, you know, I had a client that started asking me questions recently and not sure why she was on that track. But what about this? What about that? And everything that she asked was cliches that you hear and and songs and, you know, these sentences over and over And I had to keep saying it's 3D, it's 3D, it's a programming, it's there on purpose and, and pointing that out, but she thought it was all her ideas. Right. And I uh, teach spirit releasement therapy. Yes. And so that's something that I think has been really uh, coming to the forefront more and more in recent years. Yes. And that involves earthbound spirits, dark force entities. And that does connect back interestingly to, you know, the 3D certainly deceiving uh, and uh, dividing and using yes. fear as a tool uh, yes. are just key characteristics of how dark spiritual entities uh, work. But we do see that at work. And then people can think that's very esoteric. That's very far away from reality. But so much deception, division and fear tactics are used in everyday life. Yes. So to me, it, to me it's a very grounded modality. Uh, and yet just as a scientifically trained people, it's, it's a big jump to get into hypnotherapy. For a lot of hypnotherapists mm-hmm. and, and at what, whatever stages, spirit releasement therapy seems like a big jump. And so yes. and it's something that's come into your awareness recently. So can you tell us a bit about yes. you know, your take on spirit releasement therapy? Well, um, I, I actually love it. About two months ago, I, a woman came to me and I talked to her on the phone a few times. She's like, you know, my life is a mess and I just, you know, I'm, I've been sick for years and. And so I really expected this completely frazzled older woman to come in. And so the day that she came, it was a very beautiful, well put together woman in her mid sixties. And as we were sitting here in the office and I was talking to her, I started I feeling like there's more than one person in there. And I'm not so sure that I want to take this on because I don't, I'm not sure that I know how to deal with this. And, but what was funny, uh, one of the signs that I saw was that when she would start to tell me something, her mouth would move this way, then it would pull this way to tell me something else. And then she'd say, I'm sorry, I just, there's so many um, voices in here talking. And I would say, are they audible? And she'd say, no, it's just noisy. It's been noisy. And so one of the things that she had that um cued me in but i still didn't know and i'll kind of get to to my really enlightenment thanks to you mark but i but she had in a year period in her 20s had uh four family members die in a year suddenly one was a younger brother with two other people who were hit while they were standing on the side of the road by a drunk driver and there were some other family members so I, I I wasn't sure though what I was seeing, like, am I seeing uh, uh, something demonic or what? I didn't know if I wanted to deal with it. 
And it wasn't until the end of the session. And I, my husband passed a year ago, September unexpectedly. And, uh, and so I, one of the things we had done, we had bought our house a year and a half before, and we had put in um, hardwoods all through the house, except this section, which is my office and family room. And we hadn't done it because this is on a slab. And so we were looking for the right kind of wood to make sure that we did the right thing. So literally the last thing I did before I went to my New York trip was had this floor put in and I came home and two days later, she was my client. I did not tell her that I just put that floor down. And so at the end of the session, she goes, so how, what does your husband think about you doing all this hypnotherapy? I said, well, actually he was very, very supportive, but he passed away unexpectedly in September. And all of a sudden her eyes just like shifted and she looked over my head and she goes, oh, he's okay. He's fine. He's fine. And he loves the floors. And that is exactly what he would have said. And so I, when she said that, then it, it, it all of a sudden I, I'm like, there's, she's the channeler and she doesn't know it. And this is what's causing her illness and everything. So I felt a little bit like, okay, I, I can handle this. I can do this. I'm not sure how. So I asked her if she was a channeler and she said, no, um, I think my ex-husband always told me I'm crazy. And I think it's just me. It's what's in my, my head. And so I said, well, you know, and I told her about the floors. I said, that's exactly what he would have said. So she just breathed a big sigh of relief and said, I'm, I'm so happy that you're willing because I've asked other counselors if they thought this could be that I could have this gift. And they have just shut me down like I'm crazy and, and put me on medication. I said, I think I'm not sure, but I believe if a spirit sees it, they can get in there and talk to you, then, then it's like being on a boat waving and all the other spirits who are looking to communicate show up too. And so I said, what we need to do is somehow release and clear all this out and shut these portals so that if a spirit wants to talk to you, they can come and tap you on the shoulder. And then you can look over and decide, do you have the energy right now? Because they're robbing your energy. Is this something you can deal with? So we agreed that that would be what we would focus on. Well, she left. And then I'm like, what did I just commit to? And it happened that my my uh, credentials were up and I needed to get my um, continuing education classes. And I've taken a lot of nothing bomb online courses that people offer. You're like, they are big on the front end. And yes. a lot of the uh, funnels, when I took some funnel courses to be able to advertise some of mine, and they say, don't worry about your content, worry about the marketing. Well, no, I, that was another thing. My husband and I, in 19, I spent the whole year getting my classes for the energy model change ready and getting the content ready because I didn't want to be a nothing bomb. So I was very skeptical, but I, I did find Mark's courses on Udemy and I, I just happened to see this spirit releasement. And I said, well, this is what I need. And I hope it's not a big nothing bomb. And I'm telling you, it is like, I thought, oh, well, this is going to be, uh, I'll spend six, seven hours. No, it, I, it took me a couple of weeks because it was so good. 
and self-packed with information that, and a lot of it validated, like the signs of what you see with spiritual releasement, like he goes through everything. So I felt like it, and it's that classic when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I felt like through this whole thing, I was coached through the whole thing. And so we, we've gotten through that part and now what we're doing is getting her comfortable in that modality. You know, I said, if you don't want it, we can close the portals. But if 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 it's something that you feel is a gift and, and that I, I, I'll back up a little because I went in counseling for anxiety as a teenager. And a lot of it was because I did have psychic abilities and I would there were things I would know and premonitions that came true and it scared me. And I went through hypnotherapy and he said, do you want to develop this? And I said, no, I want to shut it down. And I really regret that, but I didn't know. I thought it was demonic or something. And it was really a gift that runs in my family. And so that's what we're working on with her. So I'm taking actually a, a few, I've taken past life regressions in school. Um, I, the classes I've done many of them on people, but I'm doing marks and learning even more. I, so that's my experience with that. That's great. Yeah. Good yes. to hear. Since then I've had several people with similar things ever since I've taken the training, then it's like, I'm attracting those people. Yeah. that's interesting. So you've got a, a background talent and ability that you had uh, and, but suppressed, which, which a lot of people do. Uh, yes. And then, and then once uh, a client, and you, do, you didn't seek out SRT, uh, a, a client just spontaneously brought yes. it to you. And, yes. and then you spontaneously, luckily, coincidentally found yes. uh, training, which was mine. And then yes. that, that gave you the ability to work through it. And so this is really yes. what I find. So a lot of people think, wow, the spirit releasement therapy, you know, she went off the deep end when she got into hypnotherapy. Now she's really lost it by getting into SRT. Yes. But mm -hmm. what, what I find is there's an evolution of consciousness and development where more people are being attracted to this or having this present to them. And yes. then, and then, and as, as Mary Beth says, as if you, if it's something that you, you can either decide, I don't want to deal with this. Yes. It, it is. But what, well, the bit thing there to do is to not shut it down and diagnose them as crazy. Exactly. Yes. But, if and, you can't deal with it, send them to somebody who can. And that's what I, I was thinking is, I knew that she needed help. And I had I had that moment of having to decide, but I knew that if I sent her to someone, it was going to be somebody that could address that and not someone that was going to put her on medication. Great. Yeah. And so there are, even the two parts with uh, spirit releasement therapy, I think it's useful to study just so you know what it is and isn't. Because there are some clients mm -hmm. who may have psychiatric illnesses and, and not everything is spirit releasement therapy, by the way. And I'm very right. clear about that in my courses. Yes. So just because, you know, everybody that thinks they see a spirit or whatever, sometimes they do need some sort of medication yes. and conventional treatment. Uh, but and in and, all my years, when I worked at the mission, we did see some scary things, but they were people on medication. They were frustrated. They were beaten down. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course I was always like, kind of let the guys handle this i'll stand you know i'm I'm the police caller you know yeah but um but it, it's rare but i do believe that in a sign of the times is we will see more of this um this type of thing and and i think that it's important for every uh therapist especially holistic 
to really decide. I recommend Mark's training if you're interested, but to really make that decision, because if you haven't run into it, chances you will. And it, and I've even questioned um, if, if multiple personalities are not multiple spirits that we call in when we need help. And, and you mentioned some spiritual attachments that happen, Mark, in the training, I believe that happen because we're in a place of need. And so we, you know, we call out for help. And so sometimes the spirit will attach to help. And that's what happened with her is uh, some of the attachments were people um, trying to protect her and to uh, from her grief and everything. And, and so they come, but as you stated in the trainings, there's only room in this body for one spirit. So when something attaches itself over time, it drains on our energy and we become sick. I think it's important to decide if, if it's something that you can do and to be careful not to label, like just because I'm taking the training, I can't just go, oh, there's a spirit, there's a spirit on every single thing, but we will see more of it. I'm sure we'll see it again because we're really meant to operate in those gifts. And like her, spirits knew she had it, but she was shut down. So they just kind of attached themselves. And yeah. one of them actually said, thank you for the ride. Thank you for carrying me. <laughs> well, you did even say at the beginning, I, I love the spirit releasement therapy. And so, and you also talked about, you know, there's the church, there's exorcism. And, uh, and so a lot of people I yes. think have this kind of fear-based approach towards, you know, uh, dark force entities, we call them. Mm -hmm. But as we learn in the training that ultimately every being is of light and, but some of yes. them have been deceived into yes. thinking that they're dark. So I even mm -hmm. use that diagnostic term, you're a dark force entity, but, but I use that as a, as a conventional way of, you know, labeling it for what it is at the moment yeah it's not what it was and it's not what it will be so i say mm -hmm. and because it's bought into the identity of being a dark force entity and and we really break through that and say so you can let that go don't cling to that identity that's not your story to hold yes, on to exactly. forever just like we do with real normal people yes and so that's the funny thing that this isn't a, a real esoteric strange thing it's really uh very uh you know aligned with a lot of uh uh, psychology, psychological principles. Would you agree with that as a, somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Safe? Yes. Yes. It was a beautiful thing. And, and, it, you know, when she, one of them that she released, they actually had a conversation and that grief cry from the heart that, that was going on. And it was from both sides. And, um, and the other person at first was uncomfortable about releasing because they were so worried about her but they did. And she, I, I had to ask her, do you want to release them? Which we had already discussed ahead of time, but under hypnosis, will you tell her how this is affecting you? And so in the end, then the person thanked us and, and they left. And, and what she said to me the next week, you wouldn't believe she said, I have had this person in my house with me for seven years and didn't even realize it. And she said, it's all gone. Like there were so many signs and, and a lot of times they'd have conversations and she felt like she had to ask that person anytime, get the, get the advice and all this kind of stuff. And she was able to release it. And she said, I feel stronger now because I'm making these decisions myself. Yeah. SRT therapy is really useful for uh, experienced, mature therapists, because it's at that stage that, you know, you're not trying to placate or please anybody. And people can't pull the yes. wool over your eyes. 
So entities, exactly. just like your clients, will try and deceive you. And they will have ulterior yes. motives. And so it is really for people who are not who are able to really stand their ground and have a really clear vision of what reality is and not be, be hypnotized by our clients or by these entities that are trying to give a different version of reality. And so that's an yes. important quality SRT therapists need. And so like if you're really a little bit earlier on in those days or you find I do have some things with that being a little bit too pliable, then I then so that is one thing just to know what it is. And and yes. even and even if you think maybe I still feel this is a little bit dark and spooky, you might mm -hmm. not in five years, and you uh, which is but right. for now, do right. do uh, feel free to refer it on to other people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Don't and, don't don't um, put them on medication and until that's addressed somehow. Yeah. And but, I would, chances are they won't even need it. Yeah, but the, the good news is uh, if you are a person who is thinking, okay, actually, it has been presented to me in my life. I have some background personal connection to it. I have a client that I think I'd like to work on. Then you can go, uh, I've got a foundation course and mm -hmm. I've got a, a mentoring course that I take people through as well. That's particularly for the really complex ones where things get a little bit funky and I can help people. In, so you can actually, you can take, you think, I don't know if I can handle this client. And they bring yes. me think, but I'll sign up to Mike's course. And you mm -hmm. send me their intake forms and I'll uh, coach you through what happened in the last session. What are we going to do in the next session? Here's how you reacted. Here's what you could, all of this stuff. So I can really take people through step by step. That's part of the yes. advanced course that I offer. Uh, but another part of it, as Mary Beth has noticed, is, you know, in the end, I really like it. And so mm -hmm. it's it's not about exorcism. It's not about, you know, a creepy, dark thing. At the end mm -hmm. of it, you are, you are dealing with darkness. But I think we've been called at this stage of human consciousness to face darkness more in order to be more light. Yeah. And can I share something else yeah. about this situation is um, Mark in the training, one of the things, and, and I want to just say something, I want to do a disclaimer here. Um, when Mark asked me to do this, he never mentioned his trainings, but because it's such an intricate part that, that I said, we need to talk about that because it's an intricate part for me. And, um, and I personally, you'll be my continuing ed guy. Um, but uh, one of the things he said in the training is, you know, you have to understand that your clients will probably know more than you about this, about some of these things. They'll, they'll know, they'll be able to guide you through. So about, uh, it was the first week of August and it was my husband and my anniversary and I kept kind of saying to some friends, this was our last month together. And we, but we, our last whole month, like we just had a lot of fun in August of 21. And I have a beautiful picture of him on a day we went sailing out on the boat. And, um, and I was sharing with them that he bought me a jewelry box for my birthday a few months before and said, we're going to spend our lives filling it. So I was sharing this information. And so with some friends, from Texas, we were out at the golf, um, out on Fort Morgan. And so, um, anyway, my appointment comes the next week and she comes in and she sits down and she says, cause we knew that there was another spirit. She wasn't sure who it was. And, and, but she was too exhausted in the last session and said, I don't want to do any more work that was under hypnosis. I asked her, if she wanted to continue or not. So she said, Mary Beth, I have had the spirit and it has been driving me crazy for the past 24 hours. And guess who it is? 
And I said, your younger brother. No. I said, your mother. And she goes, no, your husband. And guess what? I was going through my craft room and I wasn't even going to do anything. I, I was walking through there to get something. And he said, stop and make Mary Beth these earrings. And he said, and he picked them out and he told me he wanted these salvo earrings. And he said, she will know what it means. Please give them to her. And she said, he has just been so excited for the past 24 hours. So I made them and she gave, I wish I had them with me. I should have worn them today. Um, but she made me these beautiful earrings with the sailboat. And I she goes, do, do you know what this means? And so I told her about the sailboat and about the jewelry box and everything. And she just started bawling. And she said, um, I can feel his love for you. And he, he said to let you know it's the love is with him, that he still has that. And of course, Mark, you might want to speak into this, but I'm like going, that is amazing. And I was amazed because I knew that she didn't know this stuff, but I'm also the therapist and I'm getting paid to do this. So I, I, I didn't want to go, oh, well, can you tell him this? Can you ask him this? So I didn't do that, but I just said, I, I affirmed what she was telling me. And I said, do you see that there's a gift? And so um, a few minutes later, she said, he's gone. He, he left, you know, I don't feel him anymore. I don't know if he went back fully to the light or what at this point, but she said, I don't feel him. And then, um, the next week she came in and goes, okay, so I have to tell you after I left, I had a talk with your husband and said, look, I did a lot of work this past week. Cause after that we did some more work and released some more spirits. So she said, and unless you have an emergency, then it's something really important for me to tell Mary Beth, then I need a break this week. And I, I just need to sleep as much as possible. So she set that boundary. She said, I don't know if he was there or not, but he hasn't bothered me all week. So I just thought that was kind of neat um, that, that that happened. And it was just a way to validate yeah. So key point there is particularly in the earlier, uh, you know, the first year or so of being a therapist in any modality, I think most of the sessions we give are for our clients, but sometimes mm -hmm. some part of that session is for us, the therapist. Something I, we needed. Yeah. And so like the, the, the clients that come to you, come to you for a reason. And, mm -hmm. and that part of the session was for you to have uh, an experience of validating the modality yes. itself and having yes. it and having a positive emotional anchor to it. Mm -hmm. And even that last part is that there's a nice, uh, it, it, that's a good response to then not cling on to that. Yes. Think, oh, now I can channel and have an earthbound spirit and talk to my husband, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. And, in, and, the, in, oh, and the, the fact that he like voluntarily said, you know, we, we, I'm coming in to give you a specific message. That's going to set you yes. up on your life path. That's going to make yes. you feel happy and positive towards spirit releasement. That's going to help you learn and understand things. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and then, but then you continue on and, and, and keep going with your life purpose. And yes. so I think that, and that's a really nice uh, example as well. So that's one thing that actually does come up. And, yes. and if you, if you get into, uh, you know, uh, giving messages from the, the deceased, I think it is for me, it's a sort of a one and done thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, me too. It's not something I go back and ask her. And yeah. and to be fair, if she if she chooses this, 
um, then I don't know if you would charge people or, or if she, I don't know how it would work, but well, I just didn't feel like it was, it would be fair to. Well, well then, then it is a, in that way. She is, you're assisting her in her modality, which is then being yes. a medium. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't really want to speak to being a medium because that's not my right. wheelhouse. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so, but so mediums, I, I do a lot of my stu- students, clients, friends are mediums. And, mm-hmm. uh, but for me, that's a different session. And yes. so that is one thing I would say, if you're an SRT therapist or a past life therapist to, you know, like I, I, I would say just, you know, whatever modality you're doing, do that. And, and, uh, you know, try not to bring too much other stuff into it. Yes, you know, exactly. uh, but if, if you want to do medium stuff, you'd like, I'd say like have it for a separate session. Uh, but yes. yeah, but that, that's fine as well. And that, that's a whole nother kind of a uh, topic, but yeah, really it's not something I, I plan on getting into, although, <laughs> you know you just never know what who you're who's going to come in and what they're well in a sense that is her modality yeah yeah but then that it is so it's interesting for you so how do you feel about so you've had that initial experience you found mm-hmm. my course you know you didn't it wasn't part of your world a couple of months ago then it it, right. it, it became part of it how do you feel about spirit releasement therapy going forward Oh, I love it. Um, and I just, I feel like in a sense, it kind of goes with the curses, except the curses really aren't the spirits. The curses are a belief. It's a hypnotic, it's a hypnotic suggestion. Right. And that's what I'm working with the, the other people is this is a hypnotic suggestion. And what's really cool is they have glommed on to the energy model change program. So they're sticking with me for the year. And literally they hunt me down and say, okay, we're on this and we need the next one. What about how to explain this tool? And so I'm doing this simultaneous work, but a lot of it is deprogramming this woman and her mom from this hypnotic suggestion that was put in their family generations ago that they all for generations were scared of. So we've removed that. And now we're going to them stepping in their authority and power that God gave them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So I wouldn't really see curses as really being directly a part of spirit releasement therapy. But uh, and I agree with you; it's really about suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 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 paradox or irony there is that if you create fear in people that they yes. that they believe that they're vulnerable to spirits, then spirits may pick up on that that they're able to be exactly. deceived, and then they may yes. then get spirit attachments. So it wouldn't yes. have, you know, the fact that they believe that false statement makes it true. Yes. Yes. Still for me, the main work would be in releasing uh, an attachment of an earthbound or a dark force Yes, and, and whatever vows or contracts or initiations yes. they had, rather than for me that there isn't necessarily an antidote to a specific curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really more the, yeah, as you say, the suggestion that they bought into that yes. allows attachments so spirit releasement doesn't have a section on how to undo um, curses. Right, right. Yeah. No, it just was, it just made me almost approach it very similarly. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And that, that it comes back to your point about the ongoing therapy afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, you yes. know, you, you can break someone's addiction, but then you need to make sure that they, they you know, they manage their environment. And so you have the, yes. all the various sectors of life environment being one of them. So you, yes, if you fix exactly. someone, but throw them back in the same environment, then you've got a big problem. And hypnotherapists need to be aware of that. And for that reason, yeah. actually, I don't work with people who have addictions or alcohol because I, I can do a lot of great work with them, but there can be a chemical or, or override and it can just undo all of the work. So I won't, exactly. I for that reason, I don't start. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, fantastic. So if we can come to the, the topic of past lives, there were traumas that you uh, felt as a child that had no explanation in this life. So they must have a cause in a past life. Can you tell us about that? One of my sisters and I, we would sleep sucking our thumbs and hooking our baby pinkies together so that we couldn't be separated if the Nazis came. Now, my parents weren't talking about the Nazis. Whenever I would hear an ambulance or a siren, I would just be terrified. And wherever I was, I'd run to my parents. And I and in my mind, there was a bunch of black plastic gingerbread men walking in uniformity to come and tear us out of our houses. I would say, Mom, the ambulance is coming to get us. They would explain what it was, but I would have nightmares at night. When planes went over, I would think they were crashing. That went on into college. Uh, I, and I, I couldn't sleep in my own bed almost until I was probably 15. I always had to go jump in bed with someone. And when I was a kid, it was my parents and I would just like melt. But the minute they put me in my own bed, we'd hear sirens and I'd jump back up. And it was this constant state. But I also had these constant dreams. And in the dreams, I was running and I was hiding Sometimes I was alone. Sometimes I'd hide in these apart, old apartment building basements and hide under the stairs. And sometimes I was in the woods hiding, but sometimes I had other people I was hiding. I remember dreaming that and then being petrified of ditches whenever I'd see ditches being dug. And when we were three years old and they had to dig up our front yard for something and they had the machines out there and I would stand in the window and cry and watch them and my mother would say, what's the matter? And I would say, mommy, are they going to throw us into the ditch? Are they going to throw us into the ditch? And so she actually went out and talked with one of the men. And I remember screaming in the window, like, mom, don't go out there. And so she came back in and got me and the man came up into the door and um, he asked my name and everything. And he said, "Our your mommy said that you don't like us digging your yard. And I said, are you going to throw us in the ditches? And he said, oh, no. He said, honey, we would never throw you in there. And he, he said, if if we don't fix the pipes, they're blocked. And everybody on this street's caca is going to come up into your house. He said, do you want their caca in your house? And I said, no. And he said, OK, then can we fix the pipes? And I said, yes. But I remember like this happy relief. And every day I'd go wave to them out the window. They'd all wave to me. But I never made that connection. And as a matter of fact, I only made the ditch connection about four years ago when I saw a picture of Auschwitz in these mm. ditches and I went, the ditches. So all my life, there was these connections that I made. Did you ever have past life aggression to, uh, to, to deal with it later? Um, I, you know, I did uh, when another student did it on me. And what's ironic is I felt like I went to a different life mm. and two different ones. None of them were related, but I feel like it, it's because I kind of already resolved what all that was from. And I right. think it was a fresh life. And by then I'd already said, oh, aha. Uh -huh. So I kind of am passionate about, and, and we've seen signs of this in our, you know, with other kids and in our family where they know things or whatever, but, you know, we dismiss it with kids and, and we, you know, we take them to a doctor and put them on medicine for their nightmares and stuff. And, and whether it's true or not, we'll never fully know, but why not talk to the kid 
there's kids that have very um, precise memories and that are, they go back and document. I didn't have anyone who could do that. And we didn't have the technology, but I, I, I just know what it was like that trauma. And that's what caused a lot of my anxiety through my teens and twenties and until I finally started putting all the pieces together and saying, Oh, this makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like even a part of it, there was a resolution, just that scene with the ditch diggers. Yes. I think that moment in itself would have uh, provided some uh, bit of resolution. Although you did say uh, it still continued into your teens and twenties, uh, other yeah. aspects of it. Is because it... there was different things I was exposed to. Sure. So you had had that experience as a child where yes. you had past life recall. And yeah, you're right. You result that the ditch digging part is one part of the life that got resolved, but then there's the the hiding and then there's the, you know, a whole yes. bunch of other things that you, in a past life regression session, you could have gone scene by scene and un unplugged each of those things, you know, the, mm -hmm. the airplanes and the, that kind of thing and break the bonds of time. Yes. Uh, but, but that kind of thing can happen throughout the course of your life, but you know, it can take a while. And so mm -hmm. past life regression therapy can sort of quickly uh, get yes. you through it and, and yes. hit, hit every beat. What, what advice would you have to people if they also have children saying things that that may hint or, towards past lives? I've seen it, especially in the Christian community, and they want to dismiss it. You don't have to believe in it. But what you can do is say, what do you see? Okay, so you had different parents. I mean, there's kids who remember places that they can remember being killed in a car accident. There's kids who remember jumping off the building on 9-11. There's a, I don't know if you've heard of that, but they're running up the stairs as firemen. But I've, I've seen it too with kids. Some of my own clients have told me that about kids. I haven't worked with the kids personally. I don't recommend um, hypnotizing a child. I would say, don't ask, don't say, uh, were you afraid of ditches? Just say, well, what is it about that scares you? Okay, so what is it about digging those ditches that scare you? Ask questions. Don't give them. Are you afraid that they're going to throw you in? Even though that is what I was afraid of, let the kid tell you that. Uh, so that's the biggest thing I would say. Ask leading questions and then assure them that, you know what, um, but you're with this mommy and daddy now, and this is how we're going to do things now. And assure them that it's okay to talk to them. I know that there was one family that would say, well, this kid always lies. He tells stories. And the kid was about four years old. And they would say, stop telling these lies. Stop telling these stories. But if you listen to the stories, it was like, well, when I used to smoke a pipe, then, you know, so you start wondering, no one in their family smokes. So how is this four-year-old talking about smoking a pipe and how it used to make his lip numb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's really useful. Oh. I think there's a, there's a part there and that comes again to like not diagnosing them as a liar. Right. You know, so, and then we're applying a label right? and then that label becomes harmful. They become a blockage, an obstacle, because once you have that label, it causes self-doubt. And a lot of it, I think with just, talking them through it, then eventually they, they'll be able to transition into this life and move forward. Exactly. You don't have to call them a liar, but you also don't have to say that's absolutely true. I'm totally on board with it and run with it. And right. so even that part right. about you don't have to hypnotize kids. And I, I would, I'd agree right. with that as well, because you, know, we, you don't have, it really comes down to that judgment. It's right or wrong that they say that it's good or bad. 
Right. Like to, to, right. So just, just let them let them say what they want to say. It could only be they've only got a few more sentences to say, have that little interaction that lets them let it go, and then it's over and done within two minutes instead yes. of being suppressed and affecting them for the rest of their life. Exactly. But, and you exactly. don't need but you don't need to over buy into it by saying you're not right. a liar, you're a truth teller. Now we're going to put you on and we're going to make them do the dance of telling all about it and, mm -hmm. and, and regressing and finding out every detail. So for me, I think it's really important that children, uh, that you allow that little bit of extra conversation to bring a resolution and a closure to it. You can just say, I think they're going to kill me. Well, and you go and talk to them and they're not. And then you realize, right. you know, that they are not the Nazis. It's like you said in the relationships, yes. the woman, you know, you have to prove to the, to the, the woman you're trying to date that you're not the guy she used to date. Right. And it's the same thing. You have to, you know, that, that uh, they, the laborer had to prove that he's, you know, tell, say he's not a Nazi, but then mm -hmm. you were able to very quickly accept that. And then you're good for, for, right. for that aspect of it. And then you're able right. to move on. And so that's mm -hmm. a skillful way to deal with it. And you don't need to. Uh, and one of the, the, the difficulties is if you, uh, you know, buy in, you know, buy in too much to it with children is that you, you know, they, it is, it's to really to let it go and be, be the past. Yes. Cause so they that, don't, you don't want them identifying that that's their truth and they're that, sticking to it but, because that is a past life that they've got to, yes. they, and they're still new into this life and they've got to start developing into this life, not yes. being confused about having two identities. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about uh, the work that you do uh, with your school, the Psychoenergetic Institute of Hypnotherapy and Life Coaching? Yes. Well, what I, it's accredited by the International Medical Association for Hypnotherapists. And it's for therapists who want to be an accredited energy model of therapeutic change coach. So it's not just for anybody, anyone can go through the program as a client. The therapists also have to go through the program, but then there's two months that are extended because they're, they're, along with it, they're learning to facilitate it, but they have to go through it themselves in order to, to become credentialed. That's, I offer that. So that whole course is a combination of hypnotherapy uh, and life coaching as well. The course is only the energy model of therapeutic change. Uh, I would recommend maybe taking one, some of your courses on hypnotherapy or um, considering, you know, uh, check in with the International Medical and Dental Association for Hypnotherapy for schools. Uh, you know, I highly recommend, I, I think that you would be the better teacher for something like that. Okay. So there are some prerequisites people should do before they get into your, your course. The only well. thing that I require before they, they don't have to be a hypnotherapist, but they need to already be a life coach or a therapist because I one of those things where picking there has to be some expertise and some training yeah. and foundation it's not one of those things of oh come in and we're just mass producing this is a very specified field the coaches need to experience it to understand it yeah. and it's the practical energy it's not like ooh levitation and all that weird stuff it's the practical flow of energy and how it manifests and how it breaks us down so it's just really important. I know for myself, I created the program and it was about six years ago where I just kept facing this one thing over and over and over. And I said, why do I keep ending up here? Like, I just can't seem to get past this. And it dawned on me that even though I created the program, I never actually put myself through it. So I did. 
I said, I'm going to spend the next year and go through my program. And I saw exactly what it was and what needed to be changed because I could look at it from that energy level. And, and it got me into using the tools like I thought I was, but I, it made it better. And so immediately I was able to rectify that and, and move past it. So that's why it's so important for therapists to actually participate and do it on themselves. So hypnotherapy is something mm -hmm. particularly it's useful to break through some of those limiting beliefs. It's helpful yes. to give people a vision of the future. But uh, yeah. you've had that background where you work with people, you know, in psychology, they don't want to show up. In hypnotherapy, they they show up and they pay, you know, they're voluntary. Yes. In psychology, a lot of yes. it's involuntary. But then, exactly. uh, and but then, and so one thing as well is like the ongoing therapy after you've had those subconscious breakthroughs. A lot of hypnotherapists, you know, get the subconscious breakthroughs and then it's up to the client to continue on in their own way with any other modalities. But you take care of that part as well with the coaching. So you can tell us a bit yes. about you know, why you chose to do coaching, how you use it hand in hand with hypnotherapy? Well, the energy model ha helps them like once they, they can get the other thing about hypnotherapy is it gives you, I call it a soul perspective when we're in 3d or when we're in the matrix, we're like the rats in the maze and we're only seeing what's put in front of us. But when we get into 5d or a soul perspective, it's like being up in an airplane and we can see what, what the bigger picture is. Okay. So with the energy model of therapeutic change, that's what I use in my coaching program, because people, when they get the broader picture and they can see it with hypnotherapists, they can look at an area of their life, like say finances. I, you know, I had a woman years ago that was just chronically struggling and broke and so we started looking, well, the guy that was living with her and her kids was a, a prescription drug addict and he was taking all their money. And we were looking at what was going on with that. Well, in the relationship aspect, letting him here bleed here, manifest over here. And she didn't think it was related. She thought, well, I need to go make more money. I need financial management training. So the, the, the key thing that I work with people is number one, to let them to eventually through the, it's a behavior modification because they do one core at a time and they have the tools that sh to start recognizing like, oh, that's a bleed or that person is a bleed. This activity is a bleed. This food is a bleed. But then they start looking at the reciprocating feeds and bleeds between the energy cores. So they can say, oh, this that's bleeding me over here is manifesting over here in this energy core and over here. So th that's, that's the coaching that I do so that they get a higher perspective. And so by the end, they're able to, they've already cleaned their own energy fields. Because when people come for help, the first thing they say is, okay, what do I need? I want to lose weight or I want to do this or that. What product should I buy? What do I need? What do I got to get? What financial program should I go buy? And what I tell them is, first of all, let's look in this area and see what's bleeding you. Because most of the time, I would say 95% of the time, we have everything we need. But we have so much clutter and obstacles in the way that it bleeds us. So that's what I work on between the coaching and the hypnotherapy is releasing because sometimes it's something they have to release in the energy core 
then they have to go into hypnotherapy to allow themselves to release it and see the bigger picture. Yeah, I think that's really useful because when hypnotherapy, a lot of times you're working with, you know, uh, quite distant past uh, traumas uh, or causative issues that are affecting people and you resolve that and then they're good and that's it. But then Um, there can be ongoing traumas or for example, they're in a relationship and someone broke my heart five years ago. I haven't really gotten over it. My dating life isn't happening. Do hypnotherapy. You feel better. You start dating. But if you're in a relationship and that relationship's ongoing, you still live with them. It's still a toxic environment. Then then you can do hypnotherapy with them. But if they go back to that toxic environment, that almost becomes like addiction. Where they're still yes, they have to understand it's like it's like hitting yourself over the head and crying because your head hurts. So is that part of also where coaching comes in to help yes. extract people from that ongoing type environment? Yes. And that's what it does is it, it, it allows them to see the connection between what they've allowed in their energy sphere, because everything that happens to us is a reflection of what we're allowing and what we're accepting for ourselves. So it's almost like a mirror it's a matter of really looking at who and what we allow in our energy field. One of the things that I have women often say is when I say, okay, so what is an ideal relationship? Cause they'll come in and they'll say, I always end up with these type of um, guys that, you know, cheat and blah, and they name their list of whatever they do, maybe toxic. And I say, okay, so what, if you were to give me five traits of a man of what you're looking for, then a lot of times they'll say, I need, I just want a man who needs a woman who would just give him the opportunity to be the best he can be. And it's like, I always say, stop right there. I don't give a rat behind what he needs. Let's, I'm going to ask you this again. And I, I get tough. I'm not mean to them, but, but I say, let me ask you this again what qualities you want to see in a man? Well, I just want a man who appreciates a woman. Stop right there because they're looking for somebody who needs them. And, and so I try to get them to, to look, to think of it as I need somebody who is healthy emotionally, who has no past who's not going to bring things. And this is a big issue with relationships. We bring all these burdens from the past and say, well, this is what happened to me. So you have to prove to me that you're not going to do it. So we put the burden on the next person and ruin the relationship. So I, I really push them to look at the healthy traits. He's financially set. He doesn't need me financially. You know, you're not a gold digger but you don't need somebody who needs you financially. So it's, it's almost between the hypnotherapy. That's where I can take them into that place of what does this ideal partner look like? What does it feel like now? How does that feel compared to where you are? But they have to understand that uh, of, of the ways that they're brainwashing themselves. Yeah. I think that's really useful just for any uh, newer or student uh, therapists to see. Because Mary Beth is not taking any nonsense. And when clients talk to you and they tell you about what they think they want, don't let them ramble on. Cut them off, call them on their BS and say, Mm -hmm. what you think you want is not what you need. And and, and redirect them on that real quick. Because otherwise you can spend a lot of time listening to stuff which is going nowhere. And I make it clear, to be honest, I'm pretty, there's people I turn away. You know, if you want to come in and have a session, I had someone, I think I mentioned that, lost something that they wanted me to help. 
and, and things, I'll, I'll do those kind of sessions. But in, if you don't want serious life change, if you have all this chaos, and but you don't want to do the work, yeah, then then um, don't waste mine or your time. I mean, I would love the money, but that's why I got out of the typical mental health thing because I want I want to see people um, transformed. Yeah, and so I I yeah, ther therapists can fall into that trap of. Uh... Uh, pandering to people's neediness being needy themselves yes. or I'd like the money or I'd like the prestige of having a, a a big client list or famous clients or anything like that if all they want to do is vent or have their own limiting beliefs affirmed by you all these kind yes. of uh, little subtexts that can be in the therapeutic client relationship then you have to either call them on it and say you can't cut yes. we can't begin on this basis and if they and they'll, and because the problem can be a lot of therapists want to be liked Yes, exactly. And if you call people on their BS, they may not like it, but they may love it. Yes. And they may, you're the person I needed to slap me into reality. Then, yes, and, and if you, exactly. then, then it's a great benefit to them. And, you know, even if you, if they, if you do things that make you likable, they'll end up being disappointed in you. You won't be liked. But if you can, not, if you can really be authentic and, uh, right. and do what they really need, and if they can, if they can then accept that, then they're going to get a great help from you. If they can't, don't work with them. That's what you're saying. And I yes, agree with you 100%. Yes. And I have some that they, they think they want to start and then they get in there and they have every excuse. Um, and I have a, a quick a, a example. I had someone that one of her goals was to lose a lot of weight. She had a lot of health issues. And um, so I, you know, one of the things, no fast food, fast food is the worst thing for your mental, physical, emotional health and weight. So there's so many things to carry an emergency bag of health stuff. I always carry mixed raw nuts and fruit and things. So I, she came in one week and I said, how are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm great. I, I made a lot of changes. And I said, oh, what did you change? And she goes, well, I don't do Sonic anymore. But Dairy Queen has these low calorie salads. So I've switched to Dairy Queen. And I said, how long do you think it's going to be before you have a peanut butter parfait? And she goes, oh, I just had one this this for lunch today. So it's 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 I call it taking the same BS and just putting it in a different wrapping paper. And so it was just it was this constant of um her repackaging the same stuff and trying to present it to me as excess as um acceptable and I finally said I don't think that you're ready for this. Yeah. When you are, let me know. And she came back a year later. We did a little bit more and, and and we kind of got to the same point. So it's, I have these people who will come back later. Um, some stop and go, you know, but there's others that I just, it's not a fat. Okay. So you talked before about uh, looking at things from a higher perspective. There is this saying that you know, the physician bandages the wound and God heals. Yes. But there's the separation yeah. of spirituality, a higher perspective. And so God is dead in our conventional life yes. and people fill that void, whether it's a, a guru or a, uh, a, a doctor. Uh, and that there is still that fundamental part that people prefer to separate out and not talk about, which is, you know, our religious spiritual uh, beliefs. And so you are, right. uh, and so you are bringing that perspective, and you have past life regression as part yes. of your modality, and that's something a lot of hypnotherapists find, and they warm into it as they regress people to this life, and they find out 
people spontaneously go into past lives or they're requested mm-hmm. to do past life regression. And so uh, for your story, you were born up, you were brought up born again Christian. Yes. So, so you didn't start off with an inherent openness or belief in past life regression. Right. But, so can you right. tell us about how that, you know, your own spiritual background and how you then end up integrating that into regression hypnotherapy? I grew up in the church and, and there was very, you know, things were either anything outside of it was like demonic and spooky. And like, you think exorcist, like you think that if I walk out of these little walls, the exorcist is going on all over out there. And so in a very scary way, there is a spiritual battle, but. Oh, actually, sorry. The funny thing about that is that people who are not in the church. Don't talk about exorcisms. So the very fact that you're saying, watch out for the devil, you've created the devil by talking about him. It was, yeah, it was, it was constant fear and it was constant. You know, I remember, and 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 I, I want to say this, uh, you know, very loving environment in the church, um, for the most part. I think the media hypes up the negative, so I don't, I, I'm not down on it. But but you know, there were well-meaning. I went to Bible college for a year, way back, and there's well-meaning people that would stand up there and say, "Who are we? We are dirt and all this and." and fear God and all this. And for somebody who already had anxiety, I just remember like shaking in my boots and and things. And so I think that my evolution was when I started two things. Um, As I was kind of growing spiritually and realizing that, no, God gives us tools. Like um, I I remember uh, someone going to, um, our pastor for counseling because they had a fear of something and the pastor's wife apparently was there and said oh well I can't do anything without God and the pastor looked at her and said said look there's a ton of atheists out there that can go off to the grocery store in the malls by themselves you know like come on let's let's hear what this woman is saying and so um uh, as I started evolving and seeing things like that and realizing, wait a minute, God gives us that power. The power is within us. That's all in scripture. But then I started realizing that there were a lot of things in my life um, that the only thing that makes sense is a past life. And, uh, and, and I had a lot of validations because I went through really about a 10 year between, you know, leaving that the job in the traditional setting and stepping away from the church after my husband and I divorced in 04. And I went through kind of a 10 year period of like spiritual evolution, and it didn't shake my faith in God at all. It's interesting about this, even the, you know, hypnosis and the suggestions we get. So you're in a spiritual community in the church. Yeah, It's just so curious to me that they have the, the God fearing hellfire mm-hmm. version Yes. Where it, whereas it could easily be there is the, the God is love. Mm-hmm. They, they're all and, and they say that too, but and, and it depends. I, I believe it depends on where you are um, on an emotional level. Like the more solid, stable people, and I don't mean like the versus mentally ill, but they're going, they might um, resonate more with the love, but somebody who's full of anxiety and, and, you know, all this, they're going to resonate with the fear. Right. That they can put out a carrot and a stick 
and you know people are wired to be more worried about the 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 punishment than more drawn towards the rewards yes yes and it's it's not until you take up the authority that is given to us on, on a divine level to wait a minute i pilot this ship this was my ship that i incarnated into yeah and i pilot it and i think what happens is and i i, I wrote a book it was really like cheesily written but it was called um waiting for some chicken understanding the corporate hostage crisis and i wrote it and i realized now it was the first part of my evolution of breaking out of the matrix but i was only looking at it as corporate america but it was that awakening that wait a minute who i am and my ability to succeed or move to the next level doesn't depend on this little set of leaders right here like if I limit myself, and now I would use the term matrix, but it was this evolution of that that we are um, bound to what these people say. But when we take our authority that God gave us, that's when we can get away from that fear narrative that the people who probably don't subscribe to that in the church that are Christians are have that um, knowledge of who they are in God. And yeah. that spirituality yeah. that they have, the divine power. Okay. So wonderful to have this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. I appreciate it. So Thank can you, you tell Mark. people, uh, if people want to contact you, what's the best way yes. for them to do that? Uh, I do uh, Zoom sessions, FaceTime sessions, as well as in person. I'm in Daphne, Alabama. You can reach me through the email or phone. I'll put those in the links below. So that's how you can reach me. Great. Thank so. you so much. Great to see you. Thanks Thank for you, being Mark. on the podcast. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for listening or watching. To find out more about my guest, see the links in the description for details. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in hypnosis or hypnotherapy or regression to this life, past lives, between lives or spirit releasement therapy, then visit my website, thepastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Thanks so much for watching or listening and see you next time.